Hello guys, this is Lucia at transformedbyhisword.org. I am so glad you are here. Um, I thank you, thank you so much for listening. I know I don't have like a gazillion listeners, but it makes me happy that, you know, the few people that do listen uh, are getting something out of this crazy madness that I put out. Um, I, um, as always excited about our topic today, before I go into the topic, I wanted to, um, let you guys know that apparently you really like the interviews and I've gotten a lot of really good feedback. I am going to be doing those on a monthly basis. Uh, if you know of anyone that has a cool testimony or that you think would fit into what I'm trying to do here, just shoot me an email. I would love to hear from them. I'd love to hear from you. Um, trying to figure out who all I'm going to have in the coming months. I have someone for this month, which I'm super excited about. She is pretty cool. Um, but, you know, looking ahead for the next few months, uh, I'm looking for people to interview. Today, we are talking about uh, fellowship is what the most common word for our topic is. Um. I wanted to start by defining what fellowship is, okay? So according to, you know, da, 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 Google, when you type in fellowship, it says that it is a group of people that join together for a common purpose or, or interest. So I am not a fan of the word fellowship, in Christian circles, I know it's the buzzword and it's the right word to say, um, but I think of like the fellowship of the ring, you know, and it's like, it, that's, that's not what we're doing when we're trying to fellowship with other believers or, you know, do life with them. So I went into the Bible and I was like, okay, what is the word that is used instead of fellowship like what is the original greek word and what does it mean so the original word and this word is used like 20 times in the new testament it's going to be in most of the scriptures that i give you today it's going to be this word and the word is and i'm probably going to butcher it okay giving you a heads up koinonia koinonia okay the word koinonia um, essentially means more than one thing, okay? There's not an English word that transliterates to koinonia. So fellowship is the best thing that we have. But what koinonia is, the, the meaning is, uh, the embracement of concepts conveyed in the English terms, okay, because there's not a word, right? Um, community, communion, joint participation, sharing, and intimacy. So, 
Poinonia can be referred in some contexts as to jointly contributed gift. Okay, so fellowship is a good word. Um, you know, everybody knows kind of ish what it means, but koinonia has a lot deeper meaning. Um, <clears throat> I think the Old Testament was, or the New Testament was trying to give us a deeper sense of what we needed to be uh, more than just fellowship. Um, I know. Am I crazy for thinking this way? Probably. Uh, so it's just the idea of not just being in community, which fellowship kind of builds a community sense, but in communion, it's a joint participation. But it's not just all of us working together towards a common good. It's It's intimate. It's relational it's beyond just you know um getting together on a church and saying hi and getting together once in a while it it is um if i had to put it in one sentence okay um it is the living life together, doing life together with other Christians. I think that is the best way I could describe what this word means, that in the Bible and when I'm reading the scriptures that I'm going to give you, I'm going to say fellowship, and it's been translated to fellowship, but it's beyond just fellowship. It's it's the lifing together, <laughs> um, the doing things together. So let's uh, look at some scripture. You are not um, surprised by that. I am going to give you at least five to six scriptures like I always do. So here we go. The very first scripture I have for you today, it's in Acts, Acts 2.42. Acts 2.42 says, they devoted themselves to the apostles, teaching and fellowship to the breaking of bread and prayer. So here, um, they, the, they, by they, it means the early church, right? Acts is all about the early church and the dynamics of the early church, right? So they devoted to each other. They weren't casually hanging out. They weren't just, oh, that's my fellow church member, right? Um, they were speaking to life together. And I know I keep saying life together, um, and that's terrible English probably. I just, that that's what it is. That is... The best way I can describe what I'm trying to say. <laughs> so the apostles, when they were in this kononia, kononia um, they weren't just casually passing through saying hi, waving, or, you know, having a 
15 minute conversation of how's your week going? They were breaking bread, which means they were having meals with each other. They were in prayer. They were um, doing life together, right? Not just the good and comfortable, super short, or maybe sometimes not even super short, but the conversations that you have on a Sunday morning. But it was the actual grinding, the, the actually doing life together. And that is, I believe, what God has called us to do. The next scripture I have for you is John 13, 34 and 35. Excuse me. And that says, a new command I give to you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Did you catch what he wants us to do? <laughs> we need to love one another. So it's more than just casually knowing someone. I can't deeply love someone. I can't know someone. I can't, I mean, I can't love someone if I don't know that person, right? I can have like the general, oh, people, but real love, which is the commandment that God has given us. Jesus says that we need to love one another. When you love somebody, um, and I'm thinking, my husband, my kids, my close friends. I'm not going to let anyone harm this person, right? I'm going to know what's going on in their lives. And I'm not going to allow any harm to come to that person if it's within my power. Um, and that includes either third party harm or their own stupidity, right? <laughs> um, so... If, if I love somebody, and maybe you're different, I don't know, but if I love somebody and I see that they're going down a path that's going to bring them hurt, I'm going to tell them, but I can't build a relationship that deep to where I am comfortable telling them stuff like that if I'm just like, hi. Right. And having the super casual conversations, we have to be willing to be in each other's lives. That way, whenever a harm comes their way, you're there to help either point it out or, you know, go to battle with them. That is what love to me means. Right. Um, yes, of course, it means the you know, if they're sick, I'll bring them lunch or dinner. I'll make chicken soup if you have a cold. That is an obvious thing when you say love one another. That's like, duh, correct? I'm talking about really loving somebody, having that friendship, that fellowship, that kononia, that if I see my brother or sister going down a path where a third party or themselves are going to create harm in their lives, I'm going to love them enough to tell them, regardless of what 
that means to our relationship. If I love someone, I'm going to protect that someone. Um, and that is usually not something that people like to say. We don't like to say that love is messy. We don't like to say that love is being truthful and um, being sometimes, and I'm not going to say harsh because we're not called to harshness, but sometimes um, telling truths that are uncomfortable. Okay. So I'm following that up <laughs> with um, Philippians. Philippians 2, 1 and 2 says, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort is in his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having same love, being of the same spirit in one mind. So on this one, you know, back to the whole love thing, we need to love each other and we need to have things in common. We need to share the love and have a tenderness and compassion, but that doesn't mean not speaking truth. Um, being joyful when we reach with each other, being like-minded. I think this one is one that sometimes gets a little lost. Um, being like-minded does not mean we can never, ever disagree, okay? Being united in Christ actually helps us understand that we see things different. And I don't think it was an accident that... God decided to put all of this mesh of personalities and uh, likes and dislikes together as a one unit. I think it helps us grow. So like-mindedness does not mean that I'm going to agree 100% with everything you say. Like-mindedness means that we have the same purpose and we want to understand God more, okay? So what that does is, let's say you and I are having coffee and we don't agree with something in the Bible because things happen and, you know, we've been brought up in different religions or in different demographics or whatever the reason is, we can sit down and have hard conversations and get to a Bible understanding of this concept. Sometimes we will. We'll grab the Bible and we'll study it and we'll struggle through it. And we'll get to this beautiful place to where it's like, yes, we agree. We we reached a point where we agree. Sometimes we could be, we're gonna be like, it could be both ways. I don't know. Maybe we need more research. Maybe it's something that, you know, we're just going to have to agree to disagree. Um, being at that place does not mean that you're not mind like-mindedness. Your main goal, your objective in life is not to be the same person, okay? So you are not called to be me, and I'm not called to be you. Even though we're called to be like-minded, 
doesn't mean that we are called to think the same. Okay. It's, it just means that we have one spirit, one love, which is the Holy Spirit, love for Jesus, and we do life together. Okay. All right. I'm going to keep moving. <laughs> First John, 1 John 1, 6 through 7. If we claim to have fellowship or koinonia with him, Jesus, and yet we work in we walk in darkness, we lie and do not live in truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. That verse. All right, let's dissect it. Okay. Um, bottom line, we can't lie to Jesus. We just can't. If you are walking in darkness, he knows. And you can say the right things. You can look a certain way, you can do the quote-unquote right things, but if you are walking in darkness, he knows. You're living a lie. Okay? And I think we need to let that sink in. If you are compromising, if you are you know, and I'm not, the things that I'm going to name out are not for me to be like, yeah, you shameful person or be ashamed or whatever. But there are things that I think are obviously darkness. Um, the list that I'm going to give you is not exclusive. Um, just top of my mind, things that I would categorize as obvious darkness. <clears throat> um but, you know, you might have a different opinion, and that's okay. I'm not here to argue that. I'm just kind of giving you a little snippet of what this verse means, okay? Um, so if you're walking in darkness, so if you are comfortable in your sin, yeah, if you lie to get ahead, if you are living with your boyfriend, if you, you know, just those things that are obviously against God, because the Bible is very clear about certain things. Um, if you are disobedient to your parents, you know, you could just grab the Ten Commandments and look at it. And if you're living <clears throat> willingly, not following these things, I'm not talking about everyday sin. <clears throat> that we just, we're full of sin, we need mercy, okay? This is like, I'm comfortable with my sin kind of thing. That is working in darkness. It doesn't have to be a witchcraft, obvious darkness thing. It's just walking in a way that you know is not God approved. You're lying to yourself. And this is not just obvious things, right? This is not just 
things that people can see. These are mental things too. Like if you're thinking of things that go against God, um, you are walking in darkness. So he says that you're in a lie and the truth doesn't live in you. But this is a big but. <laughs> if you're walking in light, because Jesus is light, and you're having fellowship or this koinonia with each other, um, it says that the blood of Jesus will purify you from all your sins. So little by little, and I have found this to be true, the closer I get to God, the more I see my sin, the more he purifies me from that. Not perfect. I won't be perfect. That's not what I'm trying to say. It's just that the things that I used to see as no biggies are now like, oh, that hurts the heart of God. Maybe I shouldn't do that. So, yeah, we need to be sincere with ourselves and what we believe and where we want to be. Um, walking in darkness is not the right choice. Okay, I'm going to move on from that one. <laughs> I have Proverbs 27, 5 and 6. It says, an open rebuke is better than hidden love. Okay? Wounds, wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from your enemy. I don't know if you need to hear this, but if your friends, if your quote unquote friends are always telling you how great you are, how perfect you are, how good you are on everything, these are not your friends, okay? Your friends, yes, they're going to speak positive things into you, this, you know, um, and give you kisses and stuff and rejoice with you in the good times. But true, sincere friends are the ones that are going to tell you, hey, listen, that is sin. That is keeping you away from the life that you want in Christ. Hey, listen, have you read this verse? Because I feel like you're going the wrong path. And yes, it hurts when a friend does that, right? It hurts when everybody, anybody does that. Rebuke is never, ever fun. But that's a sign of a true friend. If you don't have a friend like that in your life, go looking for it. Become that friend. Be that friend that would rather lose the friendship and have your friend follow Christ the right way then keep the friendship and see them in the path of destruction. Okay. Um, I think because we live in a society, and maybe not society, but in a time where things are, um, everybody gets offended and being offended is, you know, not okay. Um, I am going to give you permission. Here is the permission I'm going to give to you. If you are my friend, if you are in my circle, if 
you are listening to me and I say something that goes against the Bible, I do something that goes against the Bible, I act a way that goes against the Bible, tell me. You have my permission to give me the wounds of a sincere friend because my goal in life is to be closer to God um, more so than anything else. Nothing else to me is as important as having a true relationship with our living God. I want you to think about that. And I would challenge you to go to your friends and allow them to be that person for you. Allow them, give them permission to tell you if you're doing something that goes against what you're trying to accomplish. And, you know, I understand I might have some people that are not Christians listening to this. And if you are listening to this. Thank you for listening. Um, life application to this. If you're not a Christian, allow your friends to know your life, dreams, and goals and hurt you for the purpose of getting you on track to where you need to go. Okay. Uh, being a sincere friend does not mean. I, I'm going to be all lovey-dovey all the time. It means that sometimes I'm going to be like, yo, what you doing? What are you doing? You, that's not taking you to your life's goal. You need to change what you're doing. Okay. Um, and it's not a rude thing. And a lot of people see it as a rude thing. Um, but it's not. It's the loving thing to do. If your friend was blindfolded and headed towards a snake and you can see the snake and you know they can't see the snake and you don't say anything because it might offend them, what kind of a friend are you? You're not a good friend. It is better for that friend, that person to be mad at you because you warned them of the danger than for you to stay in their good side, quote unquote, and for them to get bit by the snake. Um, if you don't agree with me on that, let's chat about it. Okay. <laughs> so that's that. There's one more scripture I have for you. And this one is probably one of my favorites when it comes to what actual fellowship or friendship with other Christians um, actually should look like. It is Proverbs 27, 17. Proverbs 27, 17 says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. We are here to sharpen each other towards our common goal of serving our God. That is why we fellowship. That is why we kononia, right? So let's stop being surface friends. Let's stop being the high and by friends. Um, 
let's start being the friends that are going to be so entwined in your life that if something's going wrong, they can tell, even if you don't say anything, that you can enjoy while you're in your good times, but also enjoy when you're in your bad times, that they won't be afraid to tell you truth when you need to hear it. Um, find that friend. They don't come out of everywhere or, you know, they, they're not readily available, which I think we should all be that friend. Um, I am blessed with having people in my life that are like that. And I thank God for them all the time. But seriously, be that person. Um, and, you know, people sometimes might not appreciate it. But if you are going to help someone get out of the pit and into heaven because you were following the commands of being a good friend and loving um, that person, then I would rather you be mad at me and in heaven than happy with me and in hell. I want to see you in heaven. I, I want to see you in eternity. So that's why I do what I do, right? <laughs> all right. So I'm going to stop all my talking and blah, dee, dee, blah, blah, blah. I want you to have a wonderful week. It's supposed to be very good weather where I'm at this week. I hope it's good weather for you too. I'm excited for spring a little bit because then I get sinus issues and stuff and then ugh, it gets disastrous. But I'm excited to see what God has for us this year and the new things that come up with spring. I'm excited to see where are you going to take your friendships and how is your life going to change because of those deep friendships. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, lgos at transformedbyhisword.org. As always and forever, please, 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 please like and subscribe. Share it with friends. Uh, if you have a lot of friends, share it with all of them. I love that you're here. I love that you like to listen to my jabbers. Send me an email. Have a good one. Bye.